Welcome to this podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. It publishes original research and topical reviews on basic and clinical aspects of gastrointestinal sensation and motility, as well as brain-gut interactions. So welcome everyone. So welcome everyone to this month's podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. My name's Adam Farmer and I'm a gastroenterologist at the Wingate Institute in London. This month, it's my great pleasure to welcome uh, Professor Frank Zerbib. Frank's a professor of gastroenterology at Bordeaux University and has wide-ranging interests in the physiology of the gastrointestinal tract. So, Frank, uh, welcome to today's podcast and many congratulations to you and your co-authors on your fantastic paper entitled 24-Hour Impedance Monitoring on Therapy to Select Patients with Refractory Reflux Symptoms for Anti-Reflux Surgery, a single-centre single retrospective study. So, Frank, what, what are the, the causes of uh, uh, drug refractory reflux disease? Uh, <clears throat> I think that the, one of the most important causes of refractoriness um, to, to PPIs is uh, the absence of reflux. And uh, many of these patients who do have symptoms that persist uh, despite, uh, despite the PPI therapy uh, don't have reflux-related symptoms. And that's why we need some investigation to select the patient that may be a candidate surgery. Other import, uh, the other important um, cause may be non-acid reflux, which may persist on PPI and is considered to be responsible for approximately 30 to 40 percent of uh, refractory symptoms uh, in patients. So, so in patients with drug refractory reflux disease, uh, um, many consider anti-reflux surgery as a, as a therapeutic uh, option. Um, for perhaps some of our um, less experienced listeners, could you describe uh, the surgery that's performed in this context? Well, basically the surgery that could be uh, proposed in this patient is uh, what we call the sandoplication, uh, which consists in um, making a wrap around the uh, lower esophagus uh, with, uh, uh, with the stomach. So this, this is uh, the, the most frequently uh, uh, performed uh, procedure, which is usually a two, 270 degrees uh, uh, wrap, which is the most frequently done. Sometimes it's a, a complete wrap, uh, three, 360 degrees, Sometimes a, a half wrap of 180 degrees, but I think that nowadays the more frequently, uh, the most frequently uh, uh, procedure performed is uh, 270 degrees wrap. And what are the overall outcomes for anti-reflux surgery in, in most patients? Is this something that tends to, to, to benefit patients? Yes, of course. It's, it's uh, a thunder application is a very effective treatment for reflux provided you have uh, uh, well-selected your patients. But uh, if in well-selected patients, uh, we, can, we can say that approximately 90% of these patients will have uh, a good, favorable outcome after a fund application. In, it is, these uh, uh, figures are uh, obtained in patients who are uh, a proven reflux and a good response to PPIs. Provided you have these two conditions, you can uh, expect a very good outcome uh, after surgery. So is there a consensus, therefore, uh, about which patients we should be selecting for, for surgery then, given that 
And I think across many healthcare economies, uh, surgery uh, is, is, is costly and obviously we can't offer surgery mm. to all of our patients. So why is there no consensus regarding patient selection? We have uh, the, the problem to, to, to build a consensus is that we need prospective outcome studies and these studies are lacking. Uh, most studies that we have are retrospective and most of them are, have been done in patients of PPIs with um, classical conventional pH monitoring. The problem is that nowadays we have uh, many patients many patients who are investigating on PPIs with pH impedance monitoring. And despite the widespread use of this technology, we don't have solid data to, um, um, we don't have solid data based on the result of this kind of, of investigation. So uh, some investigators consider that patients should be tested on PPIs but we lack solid data to support this. And some others consider that we need uh, the patient to be tested off APIs because we have more, more solid data to support this. So what, were the, what was your hypothesis as you, you embarked on your study? So what, what we, uh, re regarding what I've just said before, uh, we, we are performing quite uh, a lot of uh, PhD impedance monitoring on PPIs in patients who are potential candidates for surgery. So we wanted to um, identify the parameters that may be uh, associated with uh, outcome after anti-reflux surgery. Uh, these parameters obtained on PPIs with pH impedance monitoring. And what was the population uh, that, you, that you looked at and what methods did you use uh, to look at your data? So we we are investigating the population of patients with refractory symptoms to PPIs who were uh, who had an operation, who had a surgery, a fund application in our center, and who had been investigated preoperatively by a pH impedance monitoring on PPIs, and then we looked at the outcome of surgery and uh, uh, make the, the comparison between patients with good outcome and uh, patients with uh, bad outcome. And, and how did you define the, the, whether they had a good or a bad outcome? Were these patient-reported measures? We, yes, we use questionnaires. We use, uh, we use two, uh, two types of questionnaires. We use the RDQ questionnaire, which is a, uh, a validated questionnaire which is used in many studies. And we use also uh, a more practical and, and very simple uh, and quite old questionnaire, which, which is the VISIC questionnaire, which is basically, are you doing well or not? And it is based on patient's uh, uh, evaluation. I'm doing well or I'm not doing well. And then the two questionnaires correlated very well, in fact. And, and what were your key, key results to come out uh, from your study, in your opinion? So I think that one of the um, most uh, uh, important results, and I would say maybe uh, quite disappointed, is that we did not identify any um, pH impedance parameter associated with uh, uh, outcome. I mean, we didn't. I don't. 
we, we couldn't show that the number of reflux, the number of acid or non-acid reflux, the bolus exposure, uh, acid exposure on PPI, none of these parameters were associated with a favorable uh, outcome of surgery. The only uh, factors, the only factor associated with favorable outcome was the positive symptom association uh, analysis based on the result of the SAP, which is symptom association probability. SAP is a, is a test, is a statistical test, which um, evaluates the probability that the symptoms reported by the patients are related to the uh, reflux events. And so how do you interpret this, these new data in the, con the wider context of, of the field as we stand? Uh, I think that uh, these results are interesting because they are uh, quite new and they are uh, obtained in, based on the results uh, of uh, the surgery in a population of patients with good and uh, bad outcome, which is one of the first studies to do that because most of the surgery, surgical series published before, with, uh, which aim at evaluate this technique, they are all, all the patients, or virtually all the patients, had good favorable outcomes. So you did not, with this study, I don't, you, you couldn't, with these studies, identify any factors associated with the outcome, because all the patients were doing well. So with this uh, study, we try, and for the first time, to compare the, 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 the relevance of the preoperative pH impedance monitoring on PPIs, and we found we found that a positive SAP was the only uh, parameter associated with successful successful outcome. I think it is quite important, but I, uh, we have to perform prospective studies on probably a, a bigger sample of patients because it is a very preliminary study and uh, with quite uh, a lot of limitations. Yeah, so, so you mentioned uh, some of the, the limitations uh, there, and I think it's only, as, as you say, a prospective multi-centre study would, would certainly help answer this question. Yes, this study has, has several limitations. It is a retrospective study. We included uh, uh, quite a small proportion of patients compared to the uh, total number of patients who had surgery during the same period of time. So there, was, there is a bias. Uh, why did these patients add the preoperative uh, uh, pH impedance monitoring? Uh, we didn't have any control of uh, the reflux post-operatively. It would have been interesting to correlate the bad outcome with the results of a pH impedance monitoring in the post-operative period. So that's why th this can be done only in a prospective study. Absolutely. So where, where, moving forward, where do you think the knowledge gaps really lie in the field uh, of helping to predict outcomes to, to surgery? And how do we go about resolving these to, to improve the management and, and indeed outcomes uh, to surgery in future? It is very, it's a very difficult question to answer, I would say. Uh, I think that it is a, a difficult study to perform uh, to include patients for surgery uh, whatever the results of the preoperative assessments. But 
it is the only way to um, establish the relevance of uh, these assessments. So um, what could be done, and it is, I know it, it is done by some investigators, it's to include patients on the basis of a positive pH or pH impedance monitoring on PPI, of PPI, because we are sure to include, for, to, to, to select for surgery only patients with abnormal reflux of, of therapy. And I would, I would perform a, a pH impedance monitoring on PPI, but I wouldn't take into account the results of this study, and I would go back afterwards uh, to correlate the outcome uh, of surgery and the preparative um, assessments. It is what I would say I, I would do, but it is quite a difficult study to perform. Well, with that, uh, Frank, I'd like to thank you and your co-authors very much for really a, an excellent paper, and I think it, it provides a, a great thank you. insight into into how we look at these patients. And I'd also like to thank our listeners, of course, for, for tuning in, and I look forward to welcoming you again on another instalment of the podcast next month. Further information about this paper can be found on the journal website. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to welcoming you to next month's edition.